How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. This is our show on wrestling and various wrestling topics that we find interesting. Sometimes it's off the wall. This show might be one of those, but we will see. So this week, we are doing another one of our rebooks. We tend to tackle the pay-per-views that are among the worst and rebook them ourselves with certain sets of rules, which we'll get into for this show uh, in, a, in a bit after we go over the background of the show. But that is in essence what we do. We take a event or a pay-per-view and we rebook it from top to bottom how we see fit to make it better. And this week, our show is on the Heroes of Wrestling event, which is widely considered one of the worst wrestling events ever, period. And I had not seen it until recently. Oh. And although I had heard about it and certainly seen footage of it in various documentaries, but I had not seen it in full until recently. And that's part of my life that's just gone. So let's go over some of the background here. Heroes of Wrestling was an event that took place on October 10th, 1999 from the Casino Magic Hotel in St. Louis Bay, Mississippi, I guess. Um, it was meant to be the first of a series of pay-per-views featuring popular wrestling stars from the 80s and 90s. It was made by Fawstone Productions and the president there, Bill Stone. He wanted to take all those wrestling stars that we grew up with from the 80s and some of the 90s and concoct some dream matches. And the event was 1995, back in 1999. And obviously it got a lot of really bad reviews. The projection was that they wanted was 40,000 buys. It only got 29,000 buys for various reasons, um, production quality and match quality among them. And let me go over the card here first before we talk about some of the other controversies there. We had the Samoan SWAT team of Samu and the Samoan Savage with Paul Adams and Sika defeating Marty Jannetty and Tommy Rogers. Greg Valentine defeating George Steele. Sensational Ser Sherry was at ringside. Two Cold Scorpio defeated Julio Fantastico. The Bushwhackers defeated the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov with Nikita Brensnikov. Tully Blanchard defeated Stan Lane. Abdullah the Butcher faced One Man Gang in a double countout. Jimmy Snuka with Captain Lou Albano defeated Bob Orton Jr. And the team of Jim Neidhart and King Kong Bundy defeated Jake Roberts and Yokozuna. So if you watch the event, you will see that the initial matches were Jim Neidhart versus Jake Roberts and King Kong Bundy versus Yokozuna. That changed because Jake the Snake showed up at this event very inebriated. You can see in one of the backstage interviews that is done, he is, you know, slurring his words and very much just not with it. Um, obviously, before we get into any of this later on, we're, I'm sure we're going to be poking some fun at Jake, but this has a happy ending. He has pulled the nose up. He is in a better spot with his life now, and that's great, and he's rocking it on AEW. I love to see him on AEW looking healthy and looking fit. He was not that on this day. And the last match had him and Jim Neidhart. He could barely stand. He was feigning masturbation with the snake. He was having fans rub him. It All sorts of awful takes place. Um, the other controversy, of course, was the commentators. Gordon Soley was initially advertised to be in this. He had to bow out because of illness, throat cancer to be specific. So they had Dutch Mantel on color commentary. And on play-by-play, uh, -play, play, they had Randy Rosenblum. So Randy Rosenblum did not know wrestling and mispronounced a lot of the holds and didn't have a lot of background in it. So wrestling fans are going to eat that apart right away. So, so yes, that is basically the background 
of the event. As I said, I watched it recently. Um, it is, there's a lot of good reviews and recaps of this event elsewhere. We're not going to spend a ton of time reviewing the event, but, you know, check out Wrestling with Regret, a uh, friend of the show, Brian Zane. Uh, his, his episode on this is very funny. Uh, and yeah, it's just a lot of old men wandering around the ring and they're not with it. They're out of shape. Some of them are drunk or worse. So it's all sorts of awful. Leonard, what thoughts do you have on this event before we move forward? Well, you know, you said you watched this recently. I have seen this numerous times. It, I would say it is the worst thing I have watched the most times behind the Star Wars holiday special. What about Manos Hands of Fate? I have not seen that as many times as you would think. This isn't a movie podcast. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> if you guys cover that over on on the other show with Eric, maybe I'll come on for that. There you go. Uh, but I used to have this on a bootleg. And much like the Star Wars holiday special, it was like you would tell people how bad it is. And then you would start yeah. watching it. And they would go like, why didn't you tell me how bad this was? Like, I did but you can't prepare. Please yourself. tell me you bought the bootleg at a convention for like way too much money. Um, I don't remember how much I bought it for, but it was at a convention. Yes. <laughs> Same with the Star yeah. Wars holiday special. Um, but, but you, you went over most of the points I wanted to. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say the, my booking rebooking philosophy for this is that um, first of all, I should say that since this isn't, a real federation like the other show that we've done for the rebooks. This made the rebooking very much different and very difficult, at least for me. Uh, so the limit that we put on it was that you couldn't use anyone who was actively working for ECW, WWE, or WCW at the time. Uh, but if they were alive and breathing air and had been a wrestler or a manager or what have you, you could use them. You could bring them in. So that's a pretty big pool to draw from. And I'm sure that there's going to be people out there who say, well, why didn't you use this guy? Or why didn't you use that guy? Probably because we didn't think about that person. Right. Um, I was mostly thinking of people and then looking to see where they were. And there's actually a couple guys that will end up not using. Uh, I, I, I do have a bit of a cheat and I do have a gray area. Well, there's going to uh, there's going to be let's just preface this whole thing with there's going to have to be a little suspension of disbelief. I'll get more yes. in detail on what I mean by that uh, when yes. we do our cards. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly tried to stick with those parameters, not going with anybody from WWE, uh, WCW, or ECW. Uh, that was it. We'll get more into detail about, uh, you know, how there might be some gray areas here in a bit. But, uh, but right. yeah. And, and so, but my philosophy was still, I wanted to book a show that featured older talent. I probably use more of the guys that were actually on the actual show than you did, I'm guessing. Um, and just trying to book them in right ways against the right people, protect them in the right ways, et cetera. But at the same time, I wanted to get over the idea of heroes of wrestling, the heroes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, planting seeds for possible future shows, and also maybe trying to work with some other um, federations, leagues out there which is going to come up. So that's the preferences of the mindset I went into this on. And uh, I have a pre-show. I don't know if you do. I, I, you know what? I don't really have a pre-show, but uh, we'll, we'll, let's, before we get to that, I forgot to mention that uh, Captain Lou Obano is also around uh, during this event way too much. He's the commissioner. Christopher mm -hmm. Stanford, what a name, is the in-ring announcer. And Michael St. John, is the backstage interviewer and uh so leonard had i guess we're are we ready to unload our cards here yeah i i, I think we are um great so you know i like to start saying you know i, I wanted a pre-show to encourage last minute pay-per-view buys so i would fill this with pre-tape vignettes and live promos and a couple matches to try and entice people to buy things at the last minute I also want to address the uh, announcer situation. Now, I didn't worry about the backstage announcer or the ring announcer, but if you can't get Goran Soli, to me, probably the best second place idea would be to bring in Bob Cottle. 
So I would bring Bob Cottle in as your play-by-play, and I would use Dutch Mantel and Captain Lou Albano as the color men. And because when you hit the, the low points, and I think even my show is going to have low points, you could have Dutch and Lou kind of sniff at each other and trade barbs, and you still got Bob right there in the middle steering the ship. So, so my first match on, on the pre-show is going to be Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. Both these guys actually did work the real show. They were older, not in great shape, but were still wrestling regularly on the indie circuit at this time, so they knew how to work a match. Um, you know, one thing I forgot to mention about the show overall, most people b- would tell you that the best match on the show was Telly Blanchard versus Stan Lane, and the second best was probably Jimmy Snooker versus Bob Orton. So, you know, they had a style that, that blended well together. You know, let this be more technical old school style bout i think that's what people were kind of like looking for with this so say hey here's what you wanted uh on two guys that may not look the best but could still go and so i would have orton win by cheating and just i wanted to do decently no names in an old school style match which i think was the heart of what they wanted to do here all right well, I'll also, before I give some of my uh, first thoughts here on my card, in the past rebooks, Leonard and I have been very nice to each other with mm-hmm. the cards that we put on. And I'm going to change that just here to start because having Captain Lou and Dutch Mantel anywhere near this card <laughs> okay. is not going to get you by. But hey, this is Leonard's card and we are going to hear him out. Um, so I did address some of the, I I tried to replace all the roles. So let me explain some of them. Okay. My ring announcer is Gary Michael Capetta because he wasn't working. (laughs) So no name backstage interviews, Todd, Todd Pettengill, who was uh, long gone from uh, WWF. He had uh, mainly been doing his radio show. Why not bring him back here? And I should also add that the suspension of disbelief with my show, we need to pretend that there was like a last minute investor. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so we need to pretend that these people had a little bit more money than maybe they did for the actual heroes of wrestling. Um, so I'll get to my commissioner in a bit, mm. but my commentary team is Eric Bischoff and Jesse Ventura. So I know what you're thinking, Leonard, like Eric Bischoff, WCW, he had left in September. He was relieved of his duties. Now, I don't know for sure if he was still getting a paycheck for sitting at home. Um, I listened to his podcast. I don't recall that, but I do know that he was trying to pretend that wrestling was in the rearview mirror at this point. And eventually, obviously, they did call him back to do angles with Vince Russo and all that. Yes. But during this time, he was not working at wcw so in my card that is the best play-by-play and jesse ventura on color that you could get to have some nostalgia but have people that actually know what they're talking about was jesse governor at this point don't ruin my card leonard (laughs) well he's not on tv so he could still work i just was asking no i don't know (laughs) that's funny that's funny i have no idea but he did do an appearance for WWF as when he was governor. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> no big deal. That would be great if it, well, if they introduced him here as Governor Ventura. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, as far as pre-show, I really didn't have a pre-show, but there was going to be a match I had thought about putting on as like my first match, simply because of the interesting footnote that I found researching this year, and that okay. is that 1999 was the debut of like a ton of talent that we all know now that being cm punk samoa joe aj styles brian danielson all debuted in the year some point in the year 1999 so in my head i was like wouldn't it have been cool if you had like a four-way between these four young talents hey these are the hero we're we're advertising the heroes of wrestling as nostalgia but look at these you know, talents that are going to be the heroes of, uh, of the future. I didn't end up doing that, but I wanted to mention it. Okay. Um, 
and it should also be mentioned since Bob Orton Jr. is such a feature on the actual show and, you know, obviously on Leonard's rebook, um, Randy Orton would be starting his wrestling career in like a few months in 2000. I looked at Randy to see if he was working yet. Right. As did I. And I was like, well, he wasn't working. So, you know, I won't do anything with him. But it's just interesting to note how important of it. And I'm going to get into more details about other reasons why this is such a interesting point in wrestling in general. But uh, but yeah, so other than that, I'll get to the start of my show after you give your first actual match. Okay. Oh, actually, we haven't talked about how many matches do you have? Oh, let me count. I, I, so I have 10 matches total. Oh, wow. So this time you have more matches than I. Oh, okay. So you go ahead with uh, your pre-show okay. match and your first match. How about that? Okay. So, okay. So, my, so again, I won two matches on the pre-show to really kind of juice buys. And my second or the main event of the pre-show, as it were, is going to be Marty Jannetty versus Two Cold Scorpio. Both of these guys worked the actual show. They were just off. Uh, television for just a few years and could still go at this point working a faster more of a high spot kind of style for the era different than what Orton and Valentine would do if you want people to buy the pay-per-view much like you said Chad with December to this member it helps if you have an exciting match on the pre-show so I would say let these guys do 12 to 15 minutes just put on the best possible match that they can uh, now main show starting out my first match is a tag team bout Jim the Anvil Nightheart and Bruce Hart versus the Fantastics of Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. So Rogers and Nightheart were on the actual show. Again, I'm using a lot of people that were on the show. Uh, Bobby Fulton was doing indie stuff in Ohio. I know that because I was there. <laughs> Bruce and Ross Hart had restarted Stampede Wrestling in 1999. So one thing I would do is I would allow people to promote the hell out of whatever they wanted to do to get them to come in. And I mentioned about maybe networking with some other promotions. So networking with Bruce's new Stampede. Bruce, come in and work the show. You can promote Stampede Wrestling. So um, you have him. So basically, you've got the Heart Foundation kind of sort of versus the Fantastics, um, which I don't think was a match that ever happened. And I would have the Fantastics win by pinning Bruce then you have Nightheart cut a promo about how he wants a rematch the next time and he'll bring his real partner. Now, he never says the name Bret Hart. You think it's Bret Hart, but he's not getting Bret Hart to come here. So what I would do is, and this is one thing, Stampede would be the starting place for people like Teddy Hart and David Hart Smith and Natty Nightheart and some younger talent. And so what I would do is if you have a second show, have Jim bring one of those young Stampede people with him again to kind of get them over, get Stampede over, get over the next generation. So that that's what I would do. Try to plant the seeds for next time around. You know what? That's it's genius using the hearts that were not really in the mainstream promotions. Mm -hmm. And it's also really smart to have other promotions or other people promote their uh, their stuff that that's really that, that actually makes a lot of sense if you were going forward for the future and i basically tried to just put on the best one show that i could there you go and i'll get to why i think one show is it makes sense in my case but we'll do that at the end so i have starting out i have an introductory poetry reading by the genius Lanny Poffo. So here's some of the background. When Randy Savage went into WCW, from what Bischoff says in his podcast, he had a deal to make sure that his brother Lanny was getting paid. And so I did a more research for this rebook than I've done for any of the past ones. I looked at PDFs of like contracts and rosters and all sorts of stuff. And Lanny was getting paid by WCW at one point. And from what I saw, it was into 1999 at some point but he did leave in 1999 and took a five-year sabbatical from wrestling altogether i just don't know when in 1999 he stopped getting paychecks from wcw so that's why i have him here if you don't if you can't call him the genius you could call him the intellectual he's doing a poetry reading and he gets interrupted 
by rock and roll music because my first match is the rock and roll express versus the midnight express of bobby eaton and stan lane these teams have faced each other i don't know how many times i know that bobby eaton was not active as much during this time but uh he wasn't completely on the shelf i don't think obviously with the suspension of disbelief some of these people might have injuries who knows but this is a rebook so we have the midnights versus the rock and roll express these teams i mean christ the the rock and roll express are still doing it so yeah it goes without saying that in 1999 they could put on a, a halfway decent match they could open the card and get the crowd going you have the nostalgia you have all that and you have two teams with a lot of chemistry so that's how i would uh open my show um you know i was going to use the rock and roll express and i forgot so they're not on my show i forgot i wanted to use it they would be great to use and yeah if you're talking about a show a match that's going to get the people going from the start that's one that people have seen but it's good every time right and and the fact that you haven't seen it in a while is good i like it um next match and here's where we get a little weird it's an Ohio Valley wrestling title match between champion Rob Conway and Rico Constantino. Oh, wow. So I'm going to talk about Jim Cornette in a little bit, but in mid 1999, Jim bought into OVW with nightmare Danny Davis left WWF to run OVW with the idea that they would be like a triple a ball for WWF to help train the next generation. Rico was the first uh, WWF contracted guy that they had. So obviously Jim wants to work with him and put him over. Rob Conway was already there. And Rico versus Rob was the main feud at the time for the, for the title belt. So basically I've got Jim Cornette saying, I'll come and do the show and I'll work out a match for you, which we'll get to next. Um, but I want you to use my guys. I want you to use OVW, put over OVW, again, working with another promotion that's on the rise in OVW. So push the idea of these are the heroes of the next generation was Rico and Rob Conway. Rico has some mainstream exposure because he was a contestant on um, American Gladiators back in the day. So you can kind of push that connection with him to help get him over uh rico would actually win the ovw title in november of the year so do it now have a title change on a pay-per-view so you get a title belt on the show you get a title change on the show you get great exposure and experience for these two young guys that were at the top of ovw uh at at the moment so that's that's my next match that that's a good one uh you know rico was you know really really in shape at this point uh, as i'm sure rob conway was uh, you know it's it's smart looking into a um sorry ovw um and so yeah that would be a good match and in an interesting uh side note with you mentioning uh rico and american gladiators i really was close to using mike adamley <laughs> i really was when because I, I was going back and forth on the bischoff thing Mm-hmm. And I was like, who else could do who else could do play by play? Maybe Mike Adamley. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to stick with Bischoff. But yeah. I had thought about using Mike Adamley, uh, but I did not. Um, and I also didn't have any titles. And that was the one thing about the original card that I stuck to. I tried to mm-hmm. like have a, a card, the best card I could think of without using a title. But my next match is Mark Marrow versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, so, Marrow was released and at this time his wife who st- who's still his wife at the time uh, rena sable was filing a lawsuit against the wwf so that was what was happening then they were not there uh jushin thunder liger is an international star who is known in the u.s and pretty much everywhere so that's why i elected to use him i was going to use other international stars i mean at this time you had kenta kobashi and Mitsuharu uh, Misawa over in Japan, who are just legends. I re- I was going to use them, but I didn't. Um, so I elected to have Mark Marrow, Jushin Thunder Liger, 
these guys would have put on a great match. Mero was a little bit bigger at this time, you know, maybe not in his, you know, wasn't really his uh, Johnny B. Bad type days, but I still think this could have been a good match. Two guys that people know, and that's that. You know, I, I thought about dipping into Japan, but I didn't because uh, I'm not very versed on Japanese wrestlers. Of course, I know Liger, and he would have been great to use. And I never thought about Mero. Um, I guess I just didn't think about where he was at the time. I think Mero's underrated. I like Mark Mero. And I think you're 100% right that Liger and Mero could really put on a really good match. So I, li- I like that booking, and I think it's outside the box. I, I like that. Uh, my next match is the Midnight Express of Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton with Jim Cornette versus the fabulous ones of Stan Lane and Steve Kern. Nice. So as I mentioned earlier, Cornette agrees to work the show in exchange for them using the uh, OVW guys. Condry was retired at this point, but would do Midnight Express reunion matches after this. Eaton, as you mentioned, was still technically with WCW at the time. Uh, so I considered this my cheat, but you're using him too. Uh, he was basically getting jobbed out on Saturday night, working very sporadically until the end of the year. So I don't think it would be a problem for Eaton to get permission to come or just come do it and nobody noticing, to be honest with you. Uh, Lane worked the show, of course. Kieran was retired and had opened a wrestling school. So again, let him plug his wrestling school. Um, and, and I didn't use, I didn't look to see who he had at the time, but for a future show, maybe using some of the students would work. So what I would do is have a pre-tape vignette where you have Cornette and the Midnight Express have come in a few weeks ago to film some promos. They're going to do some promos. So you've got Corny at the craft services table or whatever. And Lane comes up and says, Hey Jim, I've been calling you. You know, I heard how the Midnight Express got booked on the show and I called the company and they said, Hey, you guys are taping promos today. And I got here and man, what's going on. And Jim said, well, I didn't return your phone calls because this is the Midnight Express. It's not the replacement Midnight Express. You know, the ME, they're the real heroes of wrestling and they get into it. And then Eaton and Condry would come in and take out Lane. And then you do a promo with Lane where he said, Hey, I had a lot of other partners too. Maybe Eaton was my replacement partner. And I went and got my real partner, Steve Kern from Fabulous Ones. So this is a match that I don't know if it, if it ever happened. I forgot to look this one up. Uh, but, you know, I, I, Again, I forgot to use the Rock and Roll Express, but that's a match, as I said, we've seen. Great as always, but doing something a little bit different. And I will mention, originally, I wanted to use Tom Pritchard as a special guest referee, but I found out that Tom was working as an agent and trainer for the WWF this time. Right. And while he wasn't actively on TV, I thought that, that felt a little bit too cheaty, so I didn't use Tom Pritchard because, of course, he's connected to everyone here as well. Uh, but I would probably have the Midnight Express win by tennis racket shot over the fabulous ones. Yeah, it's uh, interesting you mentioned the agent thing. I tried to stick to that with our within our parameters as well, mm-hmm. uh, because there was a there's some people on here that if they weren't agents already, they would become that. And so I I tried this is that added to my research. Uh, yeah, Terry Taylor was another one who I looked at who was working similar to Pritchard at the time. Aha ha! So. Oh, funny you mentioned Terry Taylor. Okay. So, Commissioner Terry Taylor. Oh, Terrence Taylor. So, Terry Taylor at this time was all over the place. And this was another situation where I couldn't pinpoint a date as to when he wasn't with one of the major promotions, but it looked like this was one of those in between sort of times where he wasn't anywhere okay. um, because he would hop back and forth. So, that's why I put him as my commissioner here. So this next match, it starts as a three-way. It becomes a fatal four-way. Let me explain. So you have Terry Funk and Barry Windham versus Public Enemy versus not the Bushwhackers. They come out as the Sheep Herders. Right. Versus a mystery team. So Terrence Taylor, the commissioner, he comes out and he announces a mystery team, all these other teams, they're ready to go. He announces it's going to be a fatal four-way. Who could it be? It's the Leatherfaces. So, ah. so, the Leatherface, so Leatherface and Super Leatherface, they come out. It becomes a no-holds-barred match. The crowd's going crazy. 
and obviously we're talking really hardcore wrestling here maybe not deathmatch bed of nails crazy for a heroes of wrestling show but the sheep herders were known for their gory matches mm -hmm. terry funk obviously as well public enemy had a lot of hardcore stuff going on that's another team that played a lot of hopscotch around this era i don't think they were anywhere at this time they would go back to ecw and so on and so forth but they're here facing the uh, leather faces in a no holds barred match and if you really wanted to be weird you could have the leather faces at the end unmask and they could be corporal kirshner in his getup and sergeant craig Pittman in his getup <laughs> you could have you could just have the leather faces go over uh yeah. just, just have the crowd pop have do do a, a, a you know a, a turn in the middle of the match from heels to face with uh, kirshner and Pittman. Um, but anyway, so yes, that is my fatal four way. I was super <laughs> happy about discovering and remembering that the leather faces were a thing. So there you well, go. We talked about the leather faces when we did the corporal Kirshner, Kirshner spotlight. Right. And we of course talked about public enemy on their brief, brief stint in WWE. Right. So, you know, that is a crazy four way. I really like <laughs> it. Um, a weird mix of talent and and a really cool idea and uh, yeah I think that would devolve into ECW territory and I do like the idea of doing something that's maybe more of the moment even with the older names doing that type of four-way hardcore type of thing so right and you know it's funny you mentioned and like not to get back to the original card but you had a match between Abdullah the Butcher and One Man Gang and as it's been reviewed, like it was just silly. It was like six minutes and, you know, one shot with the chain and Abdullah is like bleeding a gusher all over the place. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And it didn't really make much sense. And it was obviously not good to watch, but mm -hmm. you have a match with all these guys in it. Obviously it would be chaotic, but it could be a lot more fun and a lot more logical in terms of being no holds barred. So definitely. So I think I'm going to say this every time now. This is weird. So I have a snake pit match. Jake the Snake Roberts with sensational Sherry Martell versus the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> so Warrior basically retired after his run WCW in 1998, but he did work one more match in 2007. He did. Yep. So you give the Warrior all the money you can find and you <laughs> let him plug whatever you he wants. His comic book, Destrusity getting folked like whatever whatever you want to talk about <laughs> remember my late investor <laughs> yes oh okay <laughs> so late investor so you let warrior do whatever you want the warrior to do um roberts of course was drunk out of his mind as we mentioned but in hindsight that's really easy to fix you just have someone watching jake the entire time you have someone sitting on him and if you pair him with Sherry, that's an extra check. That's someone else who can be with him the entire time. So Jake and Warrior were set to feud, but it never happened in WWE. They had these vignettes. So you're delivering a promised match that never went down between two of the bigger names from the previous era. So when I say snake pick match, what I'm doing is a casket match filled with snakes, the coffin filled with snakes. <laughs> And that, again, would go back to some of the stuff they were doing in their WWF setup for the feud that didn't happen. Now, will Warrior go into a casket full of snakes? Hell no. Is Jake going to go into a casket full of snakes? Hell no. So who goes into the casket full of snakes? Sherry. Sherry! She'll do, it. She'll do anything. She'll do it. So you have Roberts take a powder. Warrior grabs Sherry, gorilla presses her, rolls her into the casket, and then she pops out screaming and yelling and wiping snakes off of her and going nuts. And it's a great visual. I like it. I like it. Although in my card, I feel like with the original card and our rebook, for whatever reason in my head, we can't change the fact that Jake Roberts is going to be drunk. More on that <laughs> later. But anyway... So, okay. well, you know, I'm trying to avoid it the best I can, but even if he's drunk, like I said, I still have him walking out in the match and Cherry taking the big bump at the end. So, yeah, taking the punishment, right? Yeah. All right. Well, so we have our return of Terrence Taylor, our commissioner. Um, well, not yet. So, we have Rick Martell coming out to do a promo. He's saying, you know, now Rick Martell in real life, he was with WCW for a while, he had pretty much retired by this point, but. He comes out, he talks about how nobody can beat him. 
He has no opponent for this show because he's just that good. Terrence Taylor comes out and announces that he does have an opponent and it will be Tito Santana. It will be a strike force submission match. And so Tito was a teacher at this point, but he did make one appearance with Jeff Jarrett on WCW television. Uh, go look that up. If you have not seen it, uh, there was a few legends that came out against Jared at one point. But anyway, this feud in WWF, when these guys were in their prime, really didn't have a blow off. It was used for the house shows. And so although they did have a lot of confrontations, there really wasn't a huge blow off to this feud when the team broke up. So I would have that here. You know, I haven't really gone over who I would have win these matches, but I suppose Rick Martell would be the logical choice here. You could have both of these guys reversed in submission. So I think that it would be a good stipulation to have. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I would have probably Martel go over, but uh, that's, that, that's what I have there. You know, I damn near did that match. And then I just didn't, when I was finally. I use them card. as a team. I thought about using them as a okay, team. Yeah, that's smart too. I, I originally had the approach of, I discovered so much talent that wasn't working. I felt like I had to use them all. <laughs> and so then I had to do it, like keep cutting back on my card. And so when I did that, I was like, well, I got to use Rick Martel somehow. Yeah. And so I elected to use him here. But you, you know, not now that I'm thinking about who I didn't use, I, I could have done the rock and roll express for strike force. Oh man, that would have been good. Yeah. Me. The heel face lines. They can both work face. Who cares? That would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, but anyway, after that great idea, here's my lousy idea. The match I actually did book. King Kong Bundy, Abdul the Butcher, and the one-man gang with Skandar Akbar versus Yokozuna and the Samoan SWAT team of Samu and the Samoan Savage with Sika. So all these guys are on the real show except for Akbar. You start out as a regular match, and then he'll have all hell break loose, have it just be a crazy brawl, you know, what, what do they just call it, a, a pure six brawl, just everyone fighting, Everything going crazy. You can have Yokozuna be called Kokina. That was his mat, his name before Yokozuna. Right, Kokina. Yeah, the great was it the great Kokina or just Kokina? You could be right. That I'm not sure of. Whatever, Kokina. So he did have Samoan garb on at one point. Yes, yeah. So Kokina and compare and, and that's even smarter. See, uh, you're 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 on top of me on that one. <laughs> so yeah, so just have everyone fight and brawl and keep it short. But it's a way to get the big guys on the card, and people like to see the big guys. Using Samoans have a long history in wrestling. And I would probably just have, you know, the faces win. and or, I mean, the heels win, probably cheating via Akbar. And then the faces kind of drive them off in the end and hold the hold the ring. Right. Well, no, I, that would be that would be a sight to see, knowing the shape that all those guys were in. <laughs> yeah. Just, just all, all the humanity that you could stack <laughs> together. Yeah. With the ring hold type thing. Yes. Um, all right. Well. I have for my next match, I have Savio Vega versus Del Wilkes in a flag match. Okay. It's the Patriot. Uh, now, in real life, Del Wilkes was was done here. He had some some substance issues, I know, and he, I think, had some tricep tears near or around this time. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I Again, these there's so, so many situations where you really can't pinpoint exact dates, but I think knowing that Savio Vega was free and knowing that the Patriot was free flag match was an obvious choice here. And, uh, I think that, I think that they, they could have done really well. Uh, the Patriot, you saw some good stuff with him against Bret Hart during his WWS stint. He, he could look good with the right person. And Savio Vega is very underrated in, in my opinion. Uh, he had some great stuff with Steve Austin as well. So, uh, yeah. So flag match, I guess the Patriot would go over here, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on everything you said there. Savio is very underrated. Uh, Patriot could work w when he had a good partner to bounce off of. It should also be mentioned is I don't think he's been – he had started it yet, but Tom Brandy, Salvatore Sincere, uh, to this day still wrestles as the Patriot on the independent circuit. Oh, yeah. Although he does not have permission uh, to use the gimmick from Del Wilkes, as far oh. as I know. Uh, and actually, in that long-term fancy league that I've mentioned, I've just started a feud between Del Wilkes Patriot and Tom Brandy Patriot. So I like it. 
don't know where that's going yet, but that's not th that's not this. This is a different rebook. So my next match is Telly Blanchard versus Kurt Angle. Aha! I, I was I was wondering if you were going to steal my thunder on using Kurt Angle. Uh, well, I'll so, just spoil it. I did not. I did okay. not use Kurt Angle. Okay. So Blanchard did work the show. Angle didn't debut for WWF until November. This was October. And while Angle was signed with WWF and done some vignettes and a couple things, um, he was allowed to work indie dates up to his in-ring debut in November to get some seasoning. So, you know, as I said with Rico and Rob Conway, what better experience than to work a pay-per-view? And as an Olympic gold medalist, he's already a hero of wrestling coming in from a different aspect of wrestling. That's true. I love that logic. Yes. So, and Blanchard was a great technical worker, experienced veteran. Uh, as I said earlier, him and Stan Lane's considered the best match on the show. So he could still go at this point. And you could get a really good match, I think, between Blanchard and, and Angle. Um, even a green angle was still pretty strong. And a guy like Blanchard could walk him through a really good match. And if Tully would do it, and, and I think he would, I would put Angle over. I would have Angle win. And then have a friendly handshake after, and in a po post match promo, have Blanchard per put Angle over. Be like, man, he is great. He is the future of wrestling. He's the types of heroes that we need going forward, et cetera. And even though you know Kurt Angle's not coming back, I would still put Angle over big time. And you can put that feather in your cap that you had Kurt Angle before he got the rocket strapped to him in the WWE. And this would be just such a cool little Easter egg of a match to go back and find today of Kurt Angle versus Telly Blanchard. No, I agree. That would be great. And it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, it, it was in the realm of possibility of happening. Because uh, as you saw in the original card, anybody who's watched it, uh, you know, Telly Blanchard could still go, even though he had been away from the business for a long time. And mm -hmm. I mean, his pro, like, I don't know how, some guys just have stuff naturally and his promo ability has never left him even to this day. Yeah. I don't know if people have checked his stuff out uh, with FTR on AEW, but Tully Blanchard is still a master on the mic. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I like that logic. And I had come across Kurt Angle's stint and like the fact that he was just, it was like right on the borderline of him signing with WWE, I thought about using him, but then I didn't. But I love your logic of Heroes of Wrestling and that he already could be considered that, which is so true. So, yeah, I like that. Um, so my next match is Jim Neidhart versus Jake Roberts in a crack pipe on a pole match. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That was joke. Disappointed. That, you disappointed you know, all the fans. You could also have Jim Neidhart versus Jake Roberts in a cooler full of beer ladder match. That was also another one I thought of, or, or Jim Neidhart versus Jake Roberts in a loser snorts coke off the other one match. Joking aside, mm -hmm. I did not keep that match. Oh, boo! <laughs> but would how great would it have been anyway? Uh, so my next match, you have a nostalgia event. You have a lot of guys that are out of shape. How do you put as much talent on your card as you can when guys are out of shape? A good old-fashioned battle royale. Yeah, I knew that's where you were going. Right. And so you, I have in mind Greg Valentine, Jake Roberts, Jimmy Snuka, Bob Orton Jr., Abdullah the Butcher, One Man Gang, King Kong Bundy, Jim Neidhart, Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkoff, Marty Jannetty, Jerry Sags, Earthquake, Tully Blanchard, and Dan Severn. So some interesting names kind of yeah. thrown in there. I would certainly have, have it come down to people like uh, maybe like Tully and Dan Severn. Um, mm. I, I think that that would be interesting to see. I would see, I would love to have used some of these guys in other matches, but I had to cut down my card somehow because I had so much content on my card. So that's, that's what I would do here. I would do it. And you know what? I added a footnote. It doesn't have to be an over the top rope battle Royal. Some of these guys aren't going over the top rope. Just have them get thrown through the ropes onto the floor. <laughs> leave, leave the ring. Just get yeah. them out of the ring somehow. Battle Royal. And this would be my way of using a lot of the original card guys because you tried to yeah. stick to using a lot of those guys. And I really didn't other than this Battle Royal. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, Well, you know, I never thought about doing a Battle Royal, but that's really smart because, again, you want to deliver names. You want to say, look at all these names. Right. So that's a great way, as you said, to use all these names in a way that's going to 
protect them and and hide the fact that they're old and couldn't work like they did and i at one point i considered doing an mma match since you mentioned dan severin and i was oh, yeah. going to look up dan severin and maybe some of those other guys uh i wound up not doing that but i did have that thought at one point to check out dan severin and some of the other mma workers that have wrestled as well uh my next match is a texas death match of terry funk versus barry windham who nice. you used as a tag team earlier on in your card. I like it. Uh, Funk left WCW in mid-1990 uh, and didn't come back until early 2000. Barry and Kendall Wyndham both left in September right after Fall Brawl. So I looked it up, and this match happened one time in Puerto Rico in 1986. So never for a major company on major television. Uh, Funk was doing more hardcore stuff by this time. Both have that Texas connection. So that's why I thought to make it a Texas death match. I would just have uh, Wyndham whip Funk's butt the entire time. And he just won't stay down because he's Terry Funk. He just keeps getting up and keep getting up. And eventually I would just have Wyndham get a big weapon shot on him. I'm not sure exactly what that would be. Maybe go through a table and have him eventually win. So have Wyndham win, but just have Funk be the guy that won't stay down. I, uh, you know what? I like that. And you mentioned Kendall. I'm glad you did because originally I had a tag match with Kendall and Barry Windham as team. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how to incorporate all the different tag teams I was coming up with. So mm -hmm. I ended up trying to use when I wanted to incorporate the Leatherfaces, I wanted to keep it to people that were more leaning towards the hardcore. Um, so I didn't use Kendall Windham, but uh, yes, he was around as well. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I didn't use Kendall at first. I did think about using the Windows as a tag team or maybe using Kendall's fodder somewhere. And I just eventually didn't, you know, nothing against Kendall. But of course, he wasn't nearly the name or the worker that his brother was. Absolutely. Um, my next match is just straightforward one on one. We have two cold Scorpio versus the great Muda. Okay. So the great I Muda, thought about using Muda as well when yeah. I mentioned using Japanese. Yeah, press. the great Muda was still doing his thing. Uh, has always kept in good shape. Two Cold Scorpio had an okay showing on the original card. There was a lot of botches in that match, as uh, as has been reviewed. Yes. Uh, but Two Cold Scorpio could still do a lot of high flying things, and I think that his style could put on a decent match with the great Muda. So. Okay, so this is my main event, and uh, it is Superfly Jimmy Snuka. And this is the grayest of gray areas. See if you will let me do this. Superfly Jimmy Snooker versus the Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> so Snooker was on the show. Still looked good. Could still go. Had the second best match of the night with Bob Orton. Randy Savage wrestled his last match for WCW in August of 1999. He only made two future non-wrestling appearances for the company after that. One was in November. The other was in February of the following year. Um, so he wasn't actively wrestling for WCW at the time. Now, I assume he was still getting paid, but he wasn't wrestling. Um, this match only happened one time that I could find, 1989 on Saturday Night's main event. So it's two really big names of the previous era. And I think these two guys being motivated by wrestling each other could really produce something. You know, Savage was still working at the time on WCW. Again, he was heavier and older than he had been. Snooker was working the independence very constantly, so was still in really good shape for his age at the time. I would, of course, I, what I, my finish would be, Snooker goes up for the splash, misses it, Savage gets the elbow and the wind, and that's your main event. And even if you wanted to, you could make this for the Heroes of Wrestling title. I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, of course, Savage wouldn't probably come back, so he would have a vacated title the next show, but what the hell. Uh, but, but no, I didn't do that, but that was, and I thought at one point uh, to use Rowdy Roddy Piper because the Piper's snooker feud, uh, but Piper was still regularly appearing for WCW at this time and would until right. the mid 2000s. Right. So I didn't, I did not use him, but Savage, the more I looked and the more I thought about it, I was like, I think you can sandwich him in there. So I did. So, well, you know, uh, yeah. So the whole thing with people working you know, or being under contract, but not actually working was something that I did try to consider. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a fantasy rebook. So I can't really, you know, wag the finger and say no, Randy Savage. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, I hadn't thought of using him for simply that reason that I was like, well, he's still there. So uh, but you know what, 
how good the match would be, I don't know. It would certainly fill the nostalgia. Randy Savage was still in pretty good shape. Jimmy Snuka could still do stuff, but you know, he 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 had looked better. But yeah, uh, no, definitely. Yeah, but that it might you know it could be it could be a fun match. Mm-hmm. I'll say I'll say that. So yeah, I, I have no problem with using Randy Savage. Yeah, especially with Savage's penchant for wanting to map everything out. I think giving these guys a game plan heading in would be beneficial. Right. Well, my next match is a bit, a bit crazy. So I have a six man, uh, three on three, six man tag okay. of Vader, Terry Gordy, and Yokozuna versus Kevin Green, Reggie White, and Lawrence Taylor oh, in an NFL versus pro wrestling grudge match. Wow. So all three of those NFL stars had wrestled. Yes. And, you know, it would take a lot of money. But with my late investor, I think that they could have put together this match. Vader was doing his thing in Japan, uh, but uh, he was very much available. Terry Gordy was certainly well past his prime. Um, He had appeared as the executioner uh, uh, in WWF, uh, but uh, Terry Gordy was still actively wrestling as well. Mm-hmm. And Yokozuna obviously was on the original card. So would this be a pretty match? No, but I think you could get in some good high profile spots simply with the star power. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I would have I, the NFL I, people go over, by the way. Yeah, so you definitely have the NFL people go over. Anytime they, they show up, you have to put over the football players. Um, you know, I had that six man that was just all the meat in the world. And this is kind of your equivalent of that yeah, it is. in there. Um, I, I, again, Vader was a name I thought of and just didn't go back to really take a look at. Um, I like the idea of this. I think it's, a, I think it's a cool match. It's a cool idea. The fact that the football players had wrestled and, and that you're looking at heroes in a different light. These guys are heroes from a different sport, but who also wrestled. I think that was actually would probably be one of the matches that would get like the most attention or the most uh, promotion to it sure. because of the mainstream potential it would have. But that's a cool idea too. That's outside the box. Are you done? I'm done actually. Right. We, I, I did. I, I recounted, make sure I didn't wasn't off. I did have ten matches total with the two on the pre-show, but no problem. Keep going. All right. Well, I have one more match. It is okay. my main event, and it is the Ultimate Warrior versus Ricky Steamboat. Oh, so here's my logic here. Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage had one of the great matches at WrestleMania three. The ultimate warriors best opponent, in my opinion, was Randy Savage. Mm -hmm. So my logic is that the chemistry certainly could reach between Steamboat and warrior. I think that they could have a great match as we saw Steamboat has kept in good shape all those years. He would eventually become an agent uh, for WWE, but he really wasn't wrestling here at this point. And as we talked about, the Warrior was pretty much done after 1998, with the exception of like one appearance. Uh, But yeah, if you tell him he can promote whatever he wants and give him enough money, I think he would have appeared here. Probably you'd have the Warrior go over, but I think that these two could put on at least a good enough main event match to end the card the hype would be there because of warrior and yeah i agree that steamboat could figure out something to do with him like savage did i never considered steamboat i know he was retired at this point due to injury but of course he did come back and, and wrestle briefly for wwe and it was spectacular right. it was so cool to see so yeah I, I just i just never considered steamboat but you know that is a, is a great one to use and again i didn't want to put warrior in my main event even though i thought he was a main event name because like well you're not going to get much out of warrior again <laughs> Ricky Steamboat's going to get you probably as much as you can get. Right. So is this a face versus face match? I guess it could be. I mean, because neither one of those guys are really known for working heel. That's true. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really matter. With this show, I don't think think heel face lines really matter. Uh, You can make any, because the idea is, oh, we're giving you these dream matches and these bouts that you've never seen or would want to see again. So I don't think. And unless you're trying to plan another card, the winners don't really matter either. Yeah, the winners don't matter either. It's just whoever would probably job to the other guy. And yeah, Steamboat would job the warrior. He doesn't care. Right. So, so um, question to you. Yeah. 
do you have a mysterious backer or you just like is it somebody or are you just saying you have one yeah i just have one (laughs) (laughs) it could be it could be a lot of people i guess it could be uh you know donald trump it could be the jarrett's or uh you know (laughs) you know who knows uh yeah it could be it could be a lot of people i guess but uh but yeah, it's uh, so one of the other things I wanted to add here, I wanted to give some background as to what else was going on in wrestling at this time. Yeah, go ahead. I mentioned the debuts, but WWE had just had their Unforgiven pay-per-view. Uh, some of the things on that was the six-pack challenge. Triple H was the champion at that time. And uh, there was a six-pack main event. You had the Jarrett-China feud at this time. You also had on that event the Kennel from Hell match. Oh, which so, we mentioned at some point, I remember. Right. Oh, because in, in the Fever Dreams, a kennel from hell got booked. Exactly, right. Yes. So you had that going on in WWE. For WCW, they had just finished Fall Brawl 1999. You had Hogan returning in yellow gear against Sting, who was the champion. You had the Insane Clown Posse in WCW. You had the West Texas Rednecks as a faction. So the reason I mention all this is because we were still very much in the Monday night wars. Now, obviously WWE was handily winning and WCW was on its way down for various reasons. But I mentioned all this to say the original card was an event soaked in nostalgia at a time when it wasn't needed. People were loving wrestling at this point. They were just eating it up. And you had this event that was all these stars from yesteryear at a time when I, you know, I don't think people was, were really calling for it. Now, if you get into like 2003, four, five, that's when nostalgia would really start to become a thing again. And you would see the, uh, you know, raw reunions and the, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff happening. But at this time, WWE was super hot. WCW had a lot of talents. They might not have been as hot as they once were, but they were still making money. So you had a lot going on in wrestling. You had ECW doing their thing. I hadn't even mentioned them. So that was my point. The original show, if you really wanted to be honest about it, the rebook would be to not have it. And I think they mentioned that on the Wrestling with Regret show. Just, mm-hmm. you know, not book it at all. Obviously, we both had a lot of fun booking our cards. I think yeah, yeah. our cards are better than the original card. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so Leonard, what do you think? I mean, do you think that this event was necessary given what was going on on television every week yeah it's a very interesting point that you make and at the end of our december to dismember pay-per-view rebook i remember we were tossing around names and i said oh here's a wrestling which would be impossible to make good right and i don't know how good our shows would wind up being i think they're structured better sure (laughs) yeah um but yeah do you need a show like this right Probably not. Now, again, like you said, you look a couple years later, maybe you can make this work, even though some of that talent would be even older. Or yeah. even right before the Attitude Era, if you're talking 95, 96, and you have like maybe an 80s reunion show, that might work. Right. And of course, you know, um, what was, was it Slamboree that WCW did every year where they would have like a Legends match and it was like two guys in black and white. And, and I always thought that was kind of a cool thing that they would do. Um, so no, I mean, you don't need anything. Do you need heroes of wrestling? No, you don't. You, you didn't need anything that was on this show. To me, the only thing that I would think would be worth going back to look at on my card would be Tully Blanchard versus Kurt Angle. And that's because Angle right. would become a superstar of the next generation. That's right. the only thing that I think would be worth going back to take a look at on my card. Um, again, your card was, you know, we did this for fun. And right. the idea of of yeah everyone was saying i wouldn't touch it well we touched it we did it yeah. uh but yeah i agree with you i think this was a period where there was so much going on so much talent in the top three companies diversity in the top three companies um even though wcw was on the other side of the hill it wasn't 2000 yet for them you know wwe was right in the heart of the attitude era ECW was getting towards one of their higher points. I actually think they were very good right before they closed. You know, 99, 2000 was very good for ECW. So you're right. There wasn't really much call for this aside from having some older guys that were no longer working or working steady getting a paycheck. Um, 
so and i should mention too i i thought about using the honky tonk man and i didn't uh but friend of the show brian zane who we mentioned earlier recently did a behind the scenes on the honky tonk man or behind the music i think he was jokingly about the honky tonk man i mentioned how honky was one of the first big names uh who worked the indie circuit when he left wwf he did every indie show he could get his hands on i've seen honky tonk man several times different indie right. shows. so he was the guy that kind of invented the idea of i used to be a name on tv let's let's go to a gym in Des Moines and wrestle you know let's just do it and so I think that you were starting to get some of that at this time um like I mentioned Jimmy Snook is working the indies heavy so I think you had a lot of these names available and that were working indie shows and smaller shows so was the potential there yes was the need quote unquote need there no I don't think so I would agree with you right well let us know what you think of our rebook. Uh, maybe you could have come up with a better card. Certainly let us know. Uh, check us out. And if there's someone that we should have booked that we didn't, you should let us know. Because Absolutely. again, there was so much talent out there. I would love to hear someone that we missed and go, oh, God, I can't believe we didn't think of him. So. Absolutely. Um, and check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you'd rather listen to us. Uh, please give us a five-star review there. And uh, for Leonard, my name is Chad, and we will see you next week.